Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Candace King. Welcome to a Super Bloom podcast. Today, I'm sitting down with Tommy D'Addario. Tommy is a dear friend of mine, um, and he's a TV host and correspondent on The Rachel Ray Show and Extra. You might have seen his interview with J-Lo. We were definitely DMing about that. I was like, what does she smell like? Does she smell like glow? Does she smell like glow? And he said that she did. I don't know if she actually smells like glow, but that's uh, what I think of when I imagine being next to Jennifer Lopez. Uh, But back to Tommy. He covers everything from celebrity interviews to human interest stories to lifestyle topics and fashion, travel, health, and wellness. At the height of the pandemic, Tommy launched his own Instagram live talk show, hashtag Let's Stay Together, where he kept celebrities and fans connected through inspiring interviews, providing a dose of positivity in a world that appeared increasingly dark. Tommy has kept that show going, bringing the concept behind those interviews to mainstream television. And that's actually how Tommy and I met. You can go back and find our interview. Um, I'm trying to think if I was like super pregnant then. Oh my. Uh, but that's how Tommy and I met. We, I was a guest on his hashtag let's stay together. 
uh, interview series on his Instagram live. And, and I was like, you're awesome. Can we please hang out sometime? Like, this would be so much fun. And then I was going to New York and I was like, remember that time you said you'd be my friend? Can I actually hang out with you because you're cool and awesome? And uh, we did. I got to spend a whole day with him and his husband, Gio. And we really bonded. We've kept in touch ever since. So when I was starting this podcast, I asked him if he would join me to be one of the early guests for the show. And it means so much that uh, that he was able to make it happen and make it work. Uh, there's a lot of things we talk about in this podcast that I'll be honest, we've hung out enough that we, I think, know a bunch of these stories just from being two humans interacting. But there are a few things that we both shared that neither of us had even shared in person as friends at this point. So it's it's really interesting, especially um, there were a lot of parallels in our the trajectories of our careers and, and the, the kind of inciting incidents that led us to realize that maybe there was uh something more meant for us so i'll leave you with that and i hope that you enjoy this sit down between me and tommy Dario. what i'm hoping to do on this podcast is just as i get to know each guest even though you and i are friends so we know each other we're kind of cheating a little bit but uh just a nice little icebreaker something that i love to do to warm up right into getting to know each other is to go through uh kind of like five things so one is something that you like something that you know, something that you hate, something that you love, and a quirky little fact about you. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. Getting my wheels turning. <laughs> um, something that I like, almond butter. All right. I like that. Something that I know is the good guys always win in the end. Something that I hate, I hate negative people. Something that you love my husband. I love my <laughs> husband very much. And then what's some quirky little fact about you? Quirky little fact about me. Um, when I was starting off in this business, I was a Harlequin romance novel cover boy. And I've done like hundreds of romance novel covers. Yes, I have, Candace. That is exactly where I want to start. Okay, so give me like, was there did you wear wigs? Were there horses? <laughs> like, what is the most memorable Harlequin oh. romance novel cover that you've been a part of because mm. I have to Google it right when we're done. I believe it was called In the Argentine's Bed. Ooh. I became suddenly Argentinian <laughs> and I had an open different flow time, different time. I mean, listen, listen, I, I guess it worked to them. Yeah. Um, I had an open flowing shirt. I had, you know, a girl hanging off of me, which is the most hysterical part is, you know, all the women that I had shot with who I had to be mm -hmm. madly in love with. Um, no wig, no wig, but always like blowing shirt in the wind, glistened up like 14 hands, putting baby oil all over me. It was something. Wow. Baby oil. So that's the trick. That's the slick trick. Always baby oil. Always. Mm -hmm. Never forget it. <laughs> <laughs> and where did you grow up? For our listeners that haven't seen you on the Rachel Ray show or seen your interviews on Extra, tell us a little bit about where you grew up before you uh, were gracing the covers of these Harlequin romance novels. Because we'll get a little bit into your modeling career, which I love because it ties into your incredible love story. But take us to where you uh, had some roots planted as a young child. Yeah, I grew up in central New Jersey, about 45 minutes, you know, drive to New York City, um, small suburban town, very, very tiny town. My town didn't even have a high school. So we had to go to a neighboring town's high school. But it was just kind of that small town living. And I was always kind of 
just close enough to the city where I would see it and come in quite a bit as a kid and dream of it, but still felt so far away. I mean, there were like stables in the surrounding towns where I grew up. Did you ride horses? Uh, no, I didn't ride a horse. I did go on a date once where a horse rolled on me and that mm. kind of ruined it for me. I'm like, I'm done. <laughs> That'll do it. That'll <laughs> do it. Living in Jersey, did you know that you wanted to end up in entertainment? I mean, you obviously, I know just from knowing you that you started a career off in modeling. Were you someone that was just discovered one day at one of these neighboring town malls? Or is this <laughs> something that you knew you wanted to do? Did you have aspirations to be in front of the camera? I always wanted to be in entertainment, but I don't think you even know this. I thought I wanted to be an actor. And that's kind of where I envisioned the career going. Um, and I studied theater and did theater in high school and middle school and even college. Um, and that's where I really saw myself at a young age. I loved film. I loved television. Um, I just loved the arts. And I thought, okay, I'm going to be an actor. And then my life took this wild wild turn which i know we're gonna get into did you fight that wild turn how long were you committed to I'm, I'm assuming that you went on auditions you especially if you were already in school in the theatrical department of a school program yeah i i didn't fight the wild turn um i had to take a life pause at a certain point because some things were going on in my life and it wasn't for me what i thought the career path was going to be. So through pursuing that, I did end up losing myself quite a bit. And it took a hard full stop for me to kind of rediscover and find my love for the entertainment business again, but in a totally different capacity. Yeah, that's how I feel about music. Because that's what I spent my whole childhood and teenage years pursuing a career in music. And that really became my identity. It was I even figured out a way to manipulate my school schedule to get out at 1pm every day to go to a, a recording studio and dance studio. Um, I had girl groups from the time I was like eight years old. That was like the trajectory planned for me. And even that's what brought me out to LA. That's why I started acting was really to promote a music career and uh, realized that I I had a beat thinking like, why, why am I doing this? Do I actually love this? Is, you know, I had so many people in my ear telling me that I needed to change the way I looked, I needed to change my name that, you know, I just really, really lost myself too. And it's, it's interesting. I think whenever I talk to anyone who's young, especially in their teenage years, I, you know, as older folk, we happen to always ask the youth, like, so what are your plans for college? Like, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I always try not to ask those questions, but they just fall out of my mouth. But the idea and expectation that you know what your life is going to look like or that you have this trajectory planned out at such a young age is just ludicrous that we put that much pressure on kids and that we were those kids at one point that had that pressure put on us. Yeah, and I remember being young and hearing in an interview, and I mean, I must have been, I don't know, 14 around? And Christina Aguilera said, as a kid, I would walk around with a shampoo bottle and call up my Icophone. And I knew I was meant to be a singer at such a young age. And even things like that, I would be like, okay, well, I declared I want to be an actor and that's what I'm going to be. And there's no going back because if someone like Christina says, that's what she is as a young kid. And look at her. We all have to stick to what we say we want to be as a young kid, right? And then I realized the passion was just dying and dying and dying. And I stayed a little too long in that pursuit until finally I hit a breaking point. What was your breaking point? You know, it was difficult for me because I came out 
my senior year of college and I was figuring out who I was and I guess what I was 21, 22. And in today's day and age, that's considered a bit later, right? A lot of kids are coming out as teens or earlier and it's amazing and power to them. People forget I'm a millennial, I'm 36, but I grew up in a time when it wasn't so widely accepted and it wasn't that long ago. And I always try to keep like this generation remembering that because it was a totally different time. I had gay agents and managers telling me that you can't be out, your your place in this business is confusing because you look manly. And I say that in quotes because whatever that means, right? But you're gay or some would say you're you're not gay enough, or you're too gay. I mean, there never was a box I could fit in. And I felt like I was being dragged through this business and having an identity crisis by people who I thought should understand me the most because they were in my community. Um, So that started kind of eating away at me at a point in my life personally, when I was just finally at a place where I could admit that I was gay. And that took me 21, 22 years, but then I'm suddenly being closeted by gay men in the business. So that was kind of the first thing that that started breaking me. Um, but then, honestly, it was, you know, when I transitioned from modeling to, to acting, and I know we'll talk about that a bit, but a lot of the agents I worked with kind of started just seeing me as this guy that they can set their clients up with. And I would walk into these agencies, and I was, you know, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and like, oh, my God, an agency wants to rep me. How cool. And I was being sent out. But then I quickly started learning it was to make their other clients who were either on the soap operas or the, you know, big popular teen shows have somebody that they could go on a date with. And if that didn't work out, set me up with somebody else. And I felt like this ragdoll that was being placed into different people's laps and no one cared about me. And that was just one of many examples in this industry of how I felt like I wasn't really being taken seriously and I was just trying to be set up all the time to help other people. What's weird is I actually had a similar experience, but on the opposite side, I was 17 and 18 years old on a, on a major label. And I remember being told uh, a few things. I needed to like book a movie or a TV show in order to have my record released. Like that's so easy. Just, (laughs) you know, just if you can just go book a series or book a movie and become a big star, that'd be great. We'll release your record. (laughs) And then, um, one of the other things was to uh, be in a magazine. They wanted to get have me get out there and be photographed and show up in a magazine. And then they also wanted me to, you know, they said, here's the thing. Like here, you know, they, they threw out some, you know, at the time, Us Weekly celebrity female's name and uh, someone who was prominent in the weekly magazines. They said, you know, she's not like super well known, but she happens to be dating this person who is well known. So maybe if you did something like that, uh, they tried to set me up to walk a carpet with a a musician who was, I think at that time, maybe 40. And I was, uh, I can't remember if I had just turned 18, or if I was about to. And luckily, him and I had actually worked together, we had the same music manager and the manager like shut it down and was like, I'm not putting my client either of my clients in that position. But I was being asked as a 17 and 18 year old girl to maybe go find myself on the arm of some famous man. And that'll show us that you've got the talents to be a music superstar. 
And it's so degrading, right? And, yeah. and, and, and you just think like, is that all I'm good for? Is that uh -huh. all people care about my life? Is that, is that the value I add to this world? And if that's the value, then I don't know about it. And then like a lot of these agents and people in the business started putting me in these very uncomfortable situations. And, you know, a, an example, and I've never shared this before because it's very uncomfortable and I don't like dwelling on the past. That's how I've always been. But an example is I had an audition, a commercial audition, which as an up-and-coming actor is a dream because it's the money and the experience <laughs> and you think I'm going to take off from a commercial. And it was a big fragrance commercial. And I walked into the room. It was just me and the agent, tiny, tiny room with a big tripod camera. And I walk in and he says, okay, you have to strip everything, strip down to nothing. And I said, to nothing? I thought the casting said come in in your underwear because it's like a sexy fragrance commercial. And he said, well, the casting directors really want to see every line of your body to make sure the bottle will proportionally fit against your body. And I'm thinking, and I'm so naive. I'm what, young 20s? I'm so new to this. And I'm like, okay, um, well, is this going to be anywhere? Am I, should I be worried this will be like leaked? He said, no, it goes to this online vault where it gets deleted after casting reviews it. Oh, God. So I'm like, okay, again, so naive. Um, so I like take everything off. I'm standing there completely naked in front of this gay man who is so clearly enjoying what he's seeing. And then he says, okay, I'm going to need you to slowly turn around and do a 360 just so casting can really see like everything, in, you know, at once. And I said, okay. And I started slowly turning around, 360, completely naked. And I remember thinking to myself, what industry am I in? This is so embarrassing. This is so embarrassing. So embarrassing. And I finally get to the front and I see him grinning. I will never forget that big smile, just so happy that this is happening. And then it hits off and my clothes were like across the table. And he's like, all right, you can get dressed. And I said, can you pass me my stuff? And he said, no, you can walk across the room and get it. Like, he just needed that little extra walk across mm -hmm. the room, you know? And things like that started happening. To be clear, I was never touched by anyone. I was never, it, nothing like that ever happened. But it was a lot of situations where I was in those uncomfortable moments with people in power who, as a young gay man that just came out, was kind of looking to as a trusted source, you know? And it was heartbreaking. And after a series of those events started happening, there was one final moment that made me hit my breaking point. How much longer was that after this initial commercial audition? Um, that was probably another two, two and a half years after. Because it's easy to also say, well, you know, this is the industry. This is just, you know, it's and, and also the justification that you just gave. Well, it's not like I was touched. It's not like I was, you know, it, it, it's it's the varying degrees of what we believe a violation to be. And the fact that you were placed in a room on camera with just another person without any sort of like comfortability or or even explanation as to what you would be doing is 100% a violation and a power play. I completely understand when you, that moment where you're like, did that just happen? Like, am I over-exaggerating this? Well, other people went in for that audition. Other people have been in this situation. So I, I can be, you know, for me, I just was always like, I can be the cool girl. I can be the cool girl. It's fine until it wasn't fine anymore. And it's beyond just being 
degrading and and upsetting. It's also so sad that it takes away from the purity of this dream that where you started in kind of chasing after this a career and and a dream. I mean, it it takes away your ability to be a dreamer within the world of the fact that you wanted to be an actor and you'd spent your whole life working up to this point and unfortunately crossing paths with the bad people. Yeah, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And that that was the first agency I got after college and after that situation happened and at the same time, I was kind of seeing a client of theirs as well in the, at the agency. And then I broke that off because the person was a total scumbag. And the, the big agent found out. And then I got blacklisted from the agency because I upset one of their highest earning clients. So then I had to find new representation. And I didn't let that totally stop me. As I said, I stayed in, in that world for another two, two and a half years. And I signed with another agency. Um, and I really, really, really started trusting somebody at that agency. And he became a mentor in many ways, um, reps, mega, mega stars, and um, really just valued our conversations. We'd go for dinner meetings and strategize about different projects to take and how to keep growing and classes I was taking. And he was a mentor to me um, until a few years in, maybe a year and a half, two years in, we had a, a dinner meeting, and on the way out from this dinner meeting, he says, let's stop at the local Dwayne Reed, which here in New York City is a pharmacy. And I said, okay, why? And he said, I want to go to the ATM, and I want you to tell me how much money it will take to get you to come back and dance for me naked. And this was somebody who I trusted, Candace, so deeply with, with everything. I mean, I would tell him about dating problems. I would tell him about things that I wouldn't talk to my parents about because I still felt weird as a newly gay man and all of this stuff. And that moment, it just felt like all of the air got sucked out of my body. And then he tried to justify it by telling mm -hmm. me all the other sexual experiences he's had and how normal it was. So it was clear it wasn't just about dancing. Um, which was bad enough. And I, I, I was so taken aback that I just kind of laughed. And I said, oh, ha ha, I'm going to go home. You're so funny. Like, cab, where are you, cab? Got in a cab and left. And then I didn't know what to do. And I still, Candace, still was trying to just pretend like it never happened. I think it was the trauma of it. And I hadn't heard from anyone from the agency for a few days. I checked in not with him, but with a few other team members, just to see what was up and coming. And I never received an email back from anybody, from anybody. And I got 100% blacklisted from that agency. I don't know what was said to my other agents there. I don't know what lie was made up, but nobody ever returned an email or a call after that night happened. And I said, I am so done. I can't do this anymore. This is not the the job I want to be in if this is what it means if people only want to have sex with me or pit me out to their clients or just hang out and not pr produce anything fruitful for my career I can't do it anymore yeah. and I made a hard change in my life at that moment How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust proof stainless steel hardware, weather ready teak, and quick dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. When you decided to make a hard change in your life, did you know what that change would be? Were you just, I'm, I'm done, I can't do this anymore? Did you... Did you have to pull yourself out of a grieving process? Because it's that's again, it's letting go of something, but also it's letting go of something that you've been working so hard towards because you were also just surrounded by so many of the wrong people at the wrong time. Yeah, yeah. Coincidentally, at that moment, and prior to all of the acting stuff I told you about, and you mentioned earlier, I started the career modeling. And that was something that, and this is an important part of the story, this was something that I never anticipated doing. I never dreamed of doing. I used to be embarrassingly, or not so embarrassingly, because it paid for my acting school, the shirtless doorman at Abercrombie and Fitch. <gasps> yes. Yes, oh I was. I had oh lots of tourists coming in and, and licking my nipples and oh all of it. They licked your nipples? Oh, they licked the nipples, Candace. They licked it. They touched it. Everything imaginable you think could happen in those scenarios happened. Oh, my goodness. Grandmothers would kiss me on the mouth. I mean, what? it was a whole thing. Whole thing. <laughs> Wild is like just the idea of like, it, I'm literally starting to sweat just thinking about it because I just remember being young and walking by the models being like, don't make eye contact. They're too beautiful. Just keep your head down and follow the scent to the store and I will walk in. And yes. And I uh, I just was speechless. I was very bad around. Uh, I couldn't handle myself around gorgeous boys when I was a young girl. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I was out there showing off that skin on Fifth oh Avenue gosh. in New York. Wow. Um, 
but it, it was a great paying job at the time and it paid for my acting schools at night. Um, so I went to NYU for communications and then I studied acting at night and I paid for that. So um, anyway, I was working one day and this guy came in and he said, hey, I'm a model scout and I think you should come in and talk to us. And I'm like, yeah, okay, this guy's hitting on me. Like, sure, you are great. And he's like, yeah, here's my car. Like, just take it. And I put it in my pocket and I look, I'm like, okay, have a nice day. Bye. And um, then I go home and I'm talking to my best friend and he's like, how was your day? And I said, oh, it's good. It was fine. Some like creepy guy came in and pretended like he was a model scout and wanted to sign me. And he goes, from where? And I'm like, I don't know. And I take out the card. I'm like, some agency called Ford Models. <laughs> and my best friend was like, yeah, you need to call them. That's legit. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> but I was so naive. I didn't know that world, you know? So I called them back, kind of like apologized for being a little rude, and uh, walked in and they signed me for three years on the spot. And for three years, right after college, I was traveling and working. I did a lot of campaigns, underwear, bathing suits, editorials, and it was great. It was my main source of income. And I was lucky that I had those experiences um, until... I woke up two and a half years in and I'm like, I can't do this anymore. It was fun in some ways and not so fun in other ways. And I just need to wake up every day and use my brain in a different way, you know, because mm -hmm. that's a diff uh, one set of talent and skills and, and I respect it. But I needed something a little bit more meaty and gritty that I could sink my teeth into. And that's how I started getting my way back into acting. So that's the backstory of how I kind of like got to this point. But to, to put it to where I had the full breakdown and said, I'm done with acting and all of it. I've been in the industry at that point for six years kind of doing it. And in the acting world, it was great because I did a lot of theater and I did some bit parts on shows like Broad City and Gossip Girl and Scream 4 I auditioned for. And it was a dream. And it was between me and Nico and a couple other guys. And I had like nine weeks of auditions. And I got that close to booking the role of Trevor in the movie and was prepped to go to Ann Arbor, Michigan to film it. So I really got a taste of the business. And even with all of that, I said, I'm done. And coincidentally, the moment that that night happened with my former agent, one of my friends called me who I worked with at Abercrombie and social media was just becoming a big thing. And he said, I'm working at uh, Aeropostale in social media. I think you'd be great. Come interview for part-time work. I'm like, corporate world. Hmm. Could I do it? And I said, you know what? I'm going to go for an interview. And I joined corporate America for a couple of years. The trajectory of going from like the model in front of Abercrombie and flying around the world to being like, and now it's corporate America. <laughs> I mean, basically like Elle Woods, you know? Of course. Yes. Yes. Please tell me you wore a pink power suit in on day one. Uh, Clearly. Really just cement this whole vision in my mind. What's interesting, I didn't realize there's a lot of parallels to both you and your experiences and my experience just in different ways. It's funny, even like nowadays living in Nashville, anyone that's known me a long time is asked like, well, are you going to start singing? Like you should you should sing again. And it's still like such a like sore subject because it was someone who I had grown to trust at such a young age that really just like sucked any kind of worth and value that I had left within myself that made me go like, I'm done. I cannot... Mm. I just cannot keep pursuing this anymore. And I don't think that this is for me. And it's still all these years later, just triggers. And I just felt like it was me going crazy the whole time. And then, you know, subsequently, 
I just kept that to myself for a really long time. And because I didn't want to rock the boat. I didn't want to get dropped. I didn't want I, all I really wanted was for my record to come out. Like I'd worked from the time I was seven years old, I'd taken vocal lessons. And just my whole life was music and on this trajectory to being on a stage and being an international pop star. And by the time I finally found myself within like so close to that opportunity, I just was whittled away of any sort of self-worth. And by the time I was eventually dropped and then tried to like, you know, find myself back in the room of like, you know, writer's room and write music again, it just, I felt very much like what you're saying that it just, you know, my value was much more placed on the fact that I was a young woman who someone might find attractive as opposed to wanting to hear any of the words coming out of my mouth. Yeah. Or any music notes coming out of my mouth. And I would I was also then really lucky to subsequently meet a, a theatrical manager who I'm still with her today and then was just surrounded by an incredibly supportive group of people that carried me into this where I kind of stumbled into these opportunities of of enacting and also fell in love with it and was yeah. like, oh, this is kind of presented itself to me. So just like all of these opportunities that you're saying, like, you know, where you're feeling a little bit lost and then all of a sudden someone's like, hey, Ford models, I think that this is going to work for you. And then you're like, I think it's time for me to move on from this. And then someone comes and says, corporate America, just give it a shot because this is going to take you somewhere and you don't even know where you're going yet. <laughs> but this is good for your story. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny, because my husband always says, I forget to tell this part of the story. And he's like, it's so important, because it shows that you've had such a wild, wild journey to get to where you are today as an entertainment reporter and TV host. And you don't always have to have it figured out for most of your life. You just don't. And I realized through this journey, while there was a lot of trauma, and to be quite frank, bullshit that happened, just like you experienced, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world because it opened my eyes to the things I really wanted. And those experiences taught me that I would eventually want to be in a career where I can fully be myself and in some ways be a bit of my own boss, where I don't have to rely on so many people to make things happen. So corporate America was like the beginning of the transition to a different phase of my life. While that was not where I was meant to be, it was a it was a, a part that I needed to be in to gain clarity. It gave you the space to start thinking about what do I want, what is next. Yes. And, and also, it's so hard, I think, sometimes to block out, like, what do I think I should want? What should I be doing right now based off of my age or based off of, you know, what I've put dedicated all this time in my life to, you know, if I'm starting over, is what it can feel like, you know, yeah. what would I want in my in my dream world? So then how did you then transition from corporate world to hosting? Did you finally get a new agent representation? Did you go back to the front of Abercrombie and just wait for someone to be <laughs> like, hey, I need to give you a microphone and a yeah. shirt? Yeah. Saddle up. Here I am. Um, <laughs> no, I, I did not dust off the, those Abercrombie jeans. I, um, <laughs> you know, I, I was in corporate world for a couple of years and I had a blast. I was working with my friend and it was went from part time running social media. And this is when like Instagram launched and like all these things were up and coming. And um, I started making the company profitable from social media. I grew them to hundreds of thousands of millions of followers. So I had a lot of success. And because of that success in corporate America, they started promoting me. 
And I started making more money. And I suddenly had a team of five under me. And then I'm in this life where I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm getting a little too comfortable in something I don't really want to do for the rest of my life. And I was leaving a relationship that was so wrong for me for many reasons. Um, and at the time of me wanting to kind of move on from corporate America and figure out my next step, which I knew was in this hosting space, whatever that meant, is when I met my husband. And quickly we were having a conversation um, in the early weeks of us, of us dating about how unhappy I was and how I lost myself and how I love the entertainment business and I'm so far removed from it now and I need to get back, but I don't want to be an actor and I want to do this hosting thing and I love entertainment and I want to cover it, but I don't have any experience doing it. And I'm a very realistic guy. I'm not one of these people that's like, I'm going to walk in an agency and say, I want to be a host, hire me. And they look at me like, well, what have you done? That's not how it works. Everything I've done in my life, I have busted my ass for. It's never been handed to me. It's always been an uphill battle because of the things we've talked about. And, and I knew I had to put the work in to make this change. So Gio was so supportive and he said, listen, why don't you launch a website, like a blog? Because blogging was very big then, right? This must have been like whatever seven years ago was. And start a blog. You have so much experience in the fashion industry. And you, you know so much about that space. Like start doing fun things with that. You know a lot about wellness and health and fitness. Like talk about the things you love. He went out and got a camera. He did all my photography. I started doing my social media. And he really helped encourage me to do what I wanted to do, which was so refreshing because I didn't get that in my last relationship. That's why I probably stayed in the corporate job for so long because it benefited who I was with prior. So I started kind of building my identity, my brand identity, right, on social media. And then I said, I'm like, I need to have video footage of me interviewing people. So I'm going to hire a guy from YouTube and I'm going to shoot videos all around New York City where I'm interviewing business owners. And I'm going to show that I can lead a conversation and have fun experiential interview. And I'm going to have him edit it. And I'm going to put it on my social media and on YouTube. And I'm sure a few of these are still out there somewhere. And, um, you know, they were really interesting. Like one was I went to Brooklyn. I'll never forget. It was like a 110 degree day. I lugged to Brooklyn from Manhattan. And I interviewed the owner of a matcha cafe. And this is when matcha first became popular. And everyone's like, what is this green powder all over social media? Like, tell me about it. So I asked him all about it. We went behind his bar. We made all these matcha lattes and fun drinks. Seven minute video, boom, put that up. Another one was I met a former NFL Super Bowl champion in my modeling days. And we've, we always stayed in touch. Um, Steve Weatherford is his name. He's like this big muscular guy. And we went to Jersey and did upside down anti-gravity yoga. And it was a, a video all about what is this new craze and let's show people how to do it. And then I put that. You were fronting the finances to produce all of these. Yes. And also putting them on your blog. You weren't even sending these to pitch to anyone directly. You were just putting this out in the world to say, this is where I want to go. This is what I want to be doing. And I'm just going to put it out there and like, hello, universe, is anyone watching? Is anyone listening? Yeah, that's absolutely right. It was all on me. Um, you know, I invested a little bit into doing this um, and, and I, didn't, I didn't make money off of this. Um, and I was doing this while also, and I forgot to mention when I left corporate world, I was consulting for a few brands running their social media on the side. That's how I supported myself during this transitional phase. I never once ever wanted my husband at the time, my boyfriend to pay for my rent a bill, 
And while he was so supportive and was like, anything you need, like I've got you, we're a team. I was like, I have that Italian pride from Jersey. Like if I can't do this on my own, I'm not going to do it. So I got five clients. I ran their social media, which was crazy because I was creating all their content at the time. And as I started getting more success in the hosting world, five clients went to four, to three, to two, to one, to zero. And I never looked back. Um, but that was kind of how I supported myself during that time. I posted these videos, cut to about eight months later. I was doing a video or two a month. A producer reached out on Instagram from The Rachel Ray Show. And he said, I've been watching your stuff and we're looking for a new correspondent for the show. I think you should come in and interview. And I said, oh my God, this is insane. Like I never could have imagined or dreamed that. I didn't know where this was all going, but that was certainly not something I could have ever predicted. And I remember I cried reading that because I just felt like, wow, a genuine chance where this is somebody who sees me for me, doesn't want anything. And that was so rare for me to have um, at the time. So I went in for a meeting. I met all the executives and they said, all right, why don't we try you doing a fashion segment in a week and a half? I said, oh, there's no like audition. And they're like, no, you're going to do the show with Rachel. I said, okay, like cool. On the TV? Live? Yeah, right. I'm like, I'm like uh, are you sure? Are you sure you want that? Me? <laughs> like, okay, woo. I'm like sweating now. And, and they're like, yeah, we'll see you in a week and a half. The producer will be in touch. So it was a makeover segment. Um, and I really leaned into my fashion background when I started in television. That's kind of how I started being a TV person, right? It was a deserving person who I gave a total head-to-toe transformation to. And it was with Rachel Ray there, obviously, and Bob Harper was co-hosting. So it was the two of them. And when you do that show, that TV time that you're on is for like 15 minutes, which in the TV world is insane. If you watch the news, if you watch the entertainment, it's like a minute hit, you know, maybe a minute and a half piece and you're done. Yeah. This is 15 minutes of live television. And there are no redos. There's no cut. Like, you go on and you better nail it, right? So I went out. I had all my talking points memorized. I did the segment. I bantered with Rachel and with Bob. And suddenly we were done. And, and I felt like I blacked out. It's like, <laughs> what just happened? There was a live audience. Everybody was looking at me. It was just the most surreal experience of my life going from shooting these little videos on my own to, like, suddenly being thrust upon a live audience for one of the number one daytime talk shows. Thank God I had an acting background where I was used to a live audience in theater. So everything has a purpose. That's why I yeah. say I don't regret anything. But also just going back to you saying it was that you felt seen. It's like it, what you had hoped to do within, even though it's a different version of what you'd kind of always had your sights set on, even as a young boy, the fact and, and a young man, but the fact that you you know, were you, it's not like you were being told by producers or anyone that you had to be closeted a, a version of yourself. It wasn't like they were asking you to come in and take your shirt off and strut around and, and model a pair of jeans for them live on TV. Like you got to go in and bring your ideas and your thoughts based off of what you created for yourself and your, your life that you were hopeful for in the world. And that is, a beautiful thing to see realized after putting so much time in and just trust and faith in in yourself really yeah i don't i don't reflect on that a lot but i remember when i left the studio well first i, I was standing there blacked out and then rachel was <laughs> like what are you doing next week and i was like oh my god she's talking to me she's talking to me i was like hey uh, rachel i don't know what's up i was such an idiot 
And she goes, I'm having my Christmas party next week. You should come. So then I thought, well, I guess I did okay. You know, I guess I guess I made the boss happy. And I went backstage and went to my dressing room. And I just started like tearing. And I was so embarrassed. I'm like, I don't want anyone to walk in and see me. But it was like the first time in my life that I felt like I was doing the job I was meant to do. And I like 1000% was fulfilled doing it. And I fully enjoyed it. And I thought, wow, this is what it feels like to know what you're meant to do. And it happened for me later in life, right? I was around 30, turning 30. And for many people, that's later, right? I don't consider it that way. But I I found my calling, I guess, to some later. And and I couldn't believe that I was in the industry I've always wanted to be in, in a capacity I never imagined being in, but doing a job that made me feel so fulfilled, a feeling I never felt when I was auditioning and when I was acting. And I realized soon that that was a passion and I liked it, but it's not something that I fully ever really, really wanted to be my career, you know? And that's how this crazy world of television started for me. That was the the kickoff point and I became a regular on the show and it all just took off from there. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. What I think is so incredible about the segments that you do specifically on Rachel Ray is that you're encouraged to find people within the world that their story needs to be shared. I mean, if you want to share a little bit about Emily, who you had on the show, who is a two-time bone cancer survivor, as opposed to just 
where they invited you to be a part of Rachel Ray. And they're like, great. So you're doing fashion and we're just going to have you pop in for fashion segments. They're like, no, no. What else do you have? Like, what else do you see? What else do you think would be great? And what else do you want to share with the world? And you have this opportunity to share other people's stories that are really impactful. Oh, thank you. I, I'm really proud of that. You know, I, I started on, on the show in fashion specifically, and I always say like, you know, you have to prove yourself. You have to build out your experience so that you do get those other opportunities. And on television, I was the fashion expert for a couple of years. And then that slowly started changing to, you know, all things lifestyle, wellness, health, fitness, travel. But then I said, okay, at the core of me, I love people. I love their stories. I want this to all lead to interviewing. Like that's where I finally felt like is my niche in this all. Love the other stuff too, but like I need human connection. That's a little bit deeper than just, you know, travel hacks and how to look great for fall and, and nothing's wrong with that. But for me, I wanted that connection. And that's where I pitched this idea of doing human interest stories and combining them with giving them either a great transformation or a trip or something they've been needing in their life. So it's this beautiful, well-rounded story. So I bring deserving people on Rachel and transform their lives in some way. And, and with Emily, who you mentioned, she, yes, did in fact beat bone cancer twice. And um, I saw her story. I do a ton of research. I research all my own stories. I pitch my own stories. Every single day I do pitching and research. It's a lot of behind the scenes work that people don't see. And I found her story. I called her myself. Um, a lot of on-air people don't do that. They have producers who do the behind the scenes. I call the people. I have multiple FaceTimes with them. I get to know them. And we had a conversation. And I said, I have to bring you on the show. And she said, I feel like since I lost my leg, because from the cancer, she had to get amputated. And at 23 years old, she, was, she, she got fully amputated from the hip down to one of her legs. And she said, I don't even know my body. I don't even know how to dress. I don't know what to put on. I feel so unpretty that sometimes I don't want to even leave the house. And I said, all right, I, I need you to come on this show because A, your spirit about going through cancer is so inspiring because she never felt like a victim and she liked sharing her story. And that's how I found her. She did a video on TikTok that went viral. But B, I need to make you feel good. You make other people feel safe and not alone in their cancer journeys. I need to make you feel good. And I brought her on and I happened to be in LA for work at the time and I was in a cute boutique. So I shipped her all this clothing to Canada. She lives in Canada. And this is when we were doing a lot of Zoom segments with the pandemic. Shipped her all the clothing, did a fashion show, chose three outfits, brought her on, showed each outfit off, talked about why, you know, what I did and tips and tricks. And, you know, she never wore pants since the surgery. And I put her in a pair of pants and we folded them up. She couldn't wear a lot of form-fitting skirts. And she kind of pushed back on one that I wanted her to put on. And then she put it on and was like, I didn't even think I could wear this. I feel so special and beautiful and did all of that. But then I like to kick it up a notch. And I knew she still needed money for her prosthetic legs so that she can walk again. Her GoFundMe page said she needed about $30,000. So I reached out to a company that I've been a spokesperson for for years, Garden of Life. And I said, hey, I don't know if this is any interest to you. I'm doing a story on Rachel. This beautiful spirit needs 30000 for her prosthetic leg. Would you want to donate that? And they were like, no brainer. Yes. Like, when can we do it? So on air, we surprised her with the $30,000 donation for her prosthetic leg. And 
Rachel and I were in tears. She was in tears. She told us because of us, she can walk again. Like it was this whole emotional thing. And I don't realize that kind of impact sometimes that these things have. I just want to do it to make someone feel good, you know? What I keep hearing just in you sharing a lot about your story is that there was a period of time in which you were looking towards other people to kind of tell you what to do next. And there was some sort of pivotal moment within your life where you realize, oh, no, 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 I'm in the driver's seat now. And I I don't know how I'm going to get to the destination, but I know I'm going to start making active choices in order to hopefully help me get a little bit closer to that point. But I'm going to be the one that's actively making that choice. I'm not going to wait around for someone to tell me how to do it. And is there like a moment that you really can kind of pinpoint or a period of time in which you started adopting that perspective on how you were going to move through life? You know, I don't think it was one moment I had. I think I've spent my whole life, and I'm not sure if you can relate to this, hearing from different people professionally and personally, what is your box? Like, what's your lane? You know, you're somebody who goes on television and you do the fashion things, then you bring on these amazing people and talk about their stories, but then you're doing a travel segment and then you're jumping rope and talking about fitness things. Then you're interviewing Jennifer Lopez. What's your lane? And the more I heard that throughout my journey, if you want to call it that, and in fact, I would always say, I hate when you would get a form and it was like occupation. I'm like, what the fuck do I put? Oh, sorry. But like, no, no. I fucking put self-employed, available <laughs> like, for hire. Like, what do you want me to put? Like a badass boss yeah. bitch? Like, I don't know. Um, so I, I, I would always hear that. And, and those words would fuel me to fight the idea that you have to be one thing and follow one path in life to be a respected career person, to be successful, to have a, a job that you've always dreamed of because all of those things I've loved and, and they make made me who I am today in terms of getting the opportunities I've gotten. If I never did those videos on YouTube for no money for almost a year, Rachel Ray never would have found me. If I never mm -hmm. went on Rachel and did these lifestyle segments, I never would have gotten national TV exposure, which led to other shows I've done from them. And, and, and I've always just been a creator, um, which, you know, from my Instagram live show as well, that's how I got extra. So like, Every big thing I've gotten in my life is because I created it. So once I started realizing that there's value in creating your own path, while not always glamorous, while sometimes mm -hmm. very lonely, while not having a team to rely on, while being your own party of one, while pushing down doors and saying, this is why you're going to believe in me and not go with X, Y, and Z. This is why you need me. I found a thrill in that. And I found that to be a beautiful challenge that um, was kind of like a, a drug that I couldn't get enough of. And it's like, how far can I go with this? How, how far can I push myself and prove to people that I can do this now? Because it's, it's been up to this point that I have, you know? So, so it's not one moment. It's the feeling of showing people who told me you could be one thing and only one thing in this industry that that's not true. Yeah. That's not true. And it's not easy. My therapist loves to throw this 
in all the time because I we all have those little voices in our heads, especially when you're starting any sort of creative endeavor or you're doing some big life pivot and you're finding yourself, you know, not knowing what the next chapter looks like or what the next step is. And it's so easy to have those little voices be like, what are you doing? Like, just stay safe. Don't put yourself out there. It's not going to work. And I think it's Anne Lamont. Annie Lamont that uh, has she calls it K fuck radio when she's writing and it's she calls it uh, basically got to turn down K fuck radio that's all that little Mm. noise in your head and just be a participant in your own life and don't listen to those little voices so I feel like you found that moment where you just were like "Um, I'm just gonna turn off K fuck radio (laughs) and just not give a fuck and I'm gonna I'm gonna do this and you guys just watch yeah yeah I stopped and that's perfectly said I stopped giving a shit about what was expected of me or what I should be doing. You know, when you're, I I belong to different shows, right? I do Rachel, I do extra, I have my own shows, I do travel stuff. I don't have a family in this industry, so to speak, that I can rely on every single day. And sometimes you are expected to think, hmm, but what's the bigger picture? Like, what show do you want to be full time at one day? Or like, what's your... What's your ultimate dream in this industry that you just want to like focus solely on? And I say, well, I want to combine everything I've done in the lifestyle world, in the celebrity world, in the human interest world, and have my own badass talk show on a streaming network. That's what I want to do. That's why I've had my hands in so many different pots. Because if I only interviewed celebrities, would I be good doing a cooking segment or a fashion segment? Or would I look like an asshole? If I only did those lifestyle segments, could I interview a celebrity? Or would I not know how to do that? So because I've curated a career throughout the last five, six, seven years where I've touched all of these different areas, even though I've been told that's not the way to do it, I think it's going to ultimately lead me to where I want to go. So While it's cute, everybody has an opinion about the direction your career should go in. You got to listen to yourself. And I think this is the modern way. I think this kind of this old idea of you just go to an office, you work your way up to different positions is not really how it works anymore. I think that kind of got thrown away with also like big tech a long time ago when you had like very young people creating these very big successful apps that hadn't even like graduated college, you know, I think that if there's ever a time where it's, you know, it's the wild, wild west and kind of just writing your own destiny, this is the time. It's just waking up and betting on yourself and and putting yourself out there to actually do it. And it's not easy to do. And and I say for me, like when I think about everything that that I've done, the the through line for me is I just want to make people feel good. And when people start listening to me talk on whatever show I'm doing, I want them to feel better than when they began listening to me, if that makes sense. Like, Mm -hmm. I want them to have left that segment, that interview, that piece saying, oh, I suddenly feel a little bit happier or a little bit more joyous or wow, I'm not so worried about X, Y, and Z because that was really fun. And if I can do that through anything I'm talking about, then for me, I see the value and, and that's tremendous. I just want to make people feel good. I think we all need more of that, you know? Well, you definitely made me feel good in 2020 when we did our Let's Stay Together interview on your Instagram live series, which was so fantastic. And exactly what you just said led you to even more opportunities. I do have a pitch for you. What if we start a book club of all of the books that you grace the cover of? And just... <laughs> 
like the Tommy D'Addario. <laughs> no, no. Like, <laughs> yes, because not only do I need to start this collection of just you shirtless on all these oh books, I feel like I need to read more. I, it's, I'm really there for the story. You know, I just listen. There's some steamy stories <laughs> up in there, and uh, and the um, the the fan base of some of these books. Like, if you go onto some of those forums, which I did at the time, woo, you are. Reading a lot of different ways that people see you and positions and outfits and there's a lot. So um, yeah, that's a, that's a chapter, no pun intended, a chapter of my life that was unlike anything I could have imagined. I felt like I was a part of the Beatles when I did the Harlequin books. Oh my gosh, I love this so much. Uh, well, just as a final note for our listeners and our viewers, can you give us just a little seedling of, of either a mantra or something you say to yourself or something that you've learned um, that reminds you that like you're still growing and it's all good? I Well, first off, every day I start by doing 2,500 steps around my apartment and verbally saying out loud what I'm grateful for. And it's just a way to get my body moving in the morning. And I like to say it out loud so that I can just kind of dump it into the universe and and have it out there. And it's a lot of the same things I say every day, or sometimes it's different. I don't put that pressure on myself, but I do that every day and it makes me feel like I have my mind right for the day. And I am very grateful for, for the things in my life. So that's something that I swear by, I live by. If I can't do it verbally for whatever reason, I will do it silently, but I will do it. But something that I, I remember as I keep going through this world and this life is never ever do I want to have a big enough ego where I stop asking for advice. And I think that you can always learn. I don't care if you're Robert De Niro. I don't care if you're Meryl Streep. I don't care if you're the Serena, Serena and Venus. I don't care who you are and what level of expertise you have. I think you should always want to improve and learn. And if you lose that, you're going to stop growing to where you want to be. But if you keep that, even at your highest levels of success, what can't you do? What can't you do? And that can come with rejection sometimes too, but it's being open that at least you're putting yourself out there to grow yeah. and and someone will see that and will will come. I, that's why I feel like if anything comes with old age, it's that you do see those patterns where you're like, okay, even if it was really uncomfortable for a minute, actually something better was around the corner. And it worked out. You just have to get through that uncomfortable beat for a moment. Yeah, we all go through it. We all go through it. So if you think that, man, I, I can't believe I'm going through this. It's just me. No one else goes through this. I can tell you, I go through it every year, multiple times a year. It happens. We all go through it. Um, and Candace, the last thing too, the second part of that is I firmly believe you need to create your own opportunities. And that's how I've gotten to, to where I am today. And, and I think that fear can stop you from creating your own opportunities. But if you kind of acknowledge that fear, push it aside and say, I'm going to try and go for it anyway, just give it a go. The worst that you're going to hear is no. That's it. Two letters, one small word. That's the worst that's going to happen. So if you're curious about something, if you're intrigued by something, if you feel like you've had a calling and never acted on it, go for it. Create your own opportunity. 
you know, and, and set yourself up for success. Well, thank you for creating the opportunity for me to get to know you from your Instagram live 20 in 2020. And since then, I've been able to hang out with you and your husband in New York and we keep in touch. And I really do value this friendship and I value your time today with all of us on the Super Boom podcast. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you. I love you so much. Love you. This has been a Super Boom podcast, hosted by me, Candace King, produced by Melissa D. Montz and Diamond Imprint Productions. Post production sound by Chris Henry and advertisement partnerships with ACAST.